Welcome to another episode of Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, and in today's episode, we'll be taking or talking about the female athlete and powerlifting. Today's guest is Megan Gallagher. She's a powerlifter and strength coach and the owner of Strong Strong Supply. Megan Gallagher, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you guys for having me. No problem. So, I mean, talk to us. How did you get to where you're at right now? You are in YouTube. You're um, creating a lot of content with people, not only on YouTube, but also Instagram, but also you have this business that you created, uh, not only to help people get stronger, but also giving them the resources they need in order to do so. Yeah. So, um, I just started probably like almost six years ago now, um, uploading things on the internet in regards to my own personal lifting. And since then I, you know, got more interested in the coaching aspect of it. Um, got really interested in the powerlifting, um, the specific sport of powerlifting and helping people compete in that sport. So whenever I started coaching, it was more specific powerlifting focused. And then that evolved into more general help to really just accomplish the goal of getting more people into lifting and get people interested, kind of open the door to barbell training. And you basically it ignited with you first, right? You saw this journey and you wanted just basically to help people that were reaching out on YouTube. And then you started to kind of then formulate your, your videos and your content towards that. Yeah, for sure. I think I realized that, you know, I was really lucky. I started lifting in a gym that encouraged women to be strong and encouraged everyone to, you know, try new things. And it was a really welcoming environment where, you know, the weight room wasn't as intimidating as I think other gyms might be. So my goal with making videos was to kind of emulate that environment that I had at the gym where I sort of grew up in lifting. Um, so yeah, and, and it kind of evolved to making more videos on teaching people how to start with barbell training and what to do before they even get up there and how to give them the confidence to, you know, keep, keep it moving and keep learning new things. How did you find powerlifting for yourself? I, I, I read somewhere that you, you had a quite interesting story trying out different sports before you got into powerlifting. Oh, yeah. I have done, um, in the strength world, I've done bodybuilding. I did a bikini show. Um, I started lifting in CrossFit. And then since then, I tried weightlifting and strongman. Um, and through my YouTube channel, I've always been interested in other sports and understanding how athletes sort of use my sport to train uh, with something not so specific. Um, so that's always been an interest to me. I've, you know, interviewed throwers and other athletes to figure out like what kind of lifts they're doing. Um, and before that, I had a more general physical training background. So I played basketball in college and ran cross country as well. So Yeah, it was a long way before I got to the barbell, um, but I was always interested in movement and I always found sports really fun and competing really fun. And yeah, I just kind of been from one thing to the next. Wow. Basketball, huh? What a position. I was a shooting guard because I'm only five. Really? Yeah, I'm only five, three. So when I tell people that they're always very surprised. Um, but yeah, I was a shooting guard and, um, in college I rode the bench though completely. I was not, uh, great, <laughs> but, mm -hmm. um, but you know, I got that far. So 
something to be Hey, fun. no worries. Yeah. I, trust me. I com- I completely understand. Uh, 90% of my college career was uh, holding a clipboard and uh, being a secondary coach. So yeah. I completely agree. <laughs> I understand. I understand that side of things. But no worries. You made it that far. And that's cool. I didn't know that about you, that you actually uh, played college basketball. That's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so powerlifting basically was your segue. And not only for you, that's basically a sport that you kind of chose to kind of really uh, determine and really start to see the development within yourself and personally and uh, within your career. What are the one of the biggest things that you see when working with athletes, uh, in particular the female athlete, when it comes to powerlifting? I think it's really easy for any athlete um, to, when they're into strength training, to overthink everything and you know, place too much weight on certain aspects of the game. There are so many moving Mm -hmm. parts that make up being able to squat, bench, and deadlift. And, you know, it's so easy to be hard on yourself because especially when I have an athlete who is competing at a regional level, she is looking up to people competing at a world level. And it's not like something like basketball where you can't really tell, you know, you can't really gauge the performance from one athlete to a next by just looking at their stats per se, um, because they're competing mm-hmm. against different kinds of athletes. Um, but you can look, uh, the barbell is the barbell at always the same in the end of the day. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you get athletes who are just getting into the sport and they look up to their favorite Instagram lifter and they're not at that level. And so, you know, it may take 10 years for them to even get close to where someone naturally is in three years. So it is really easy for people to beat up on themselves and overthink every aspect of, of what they're working on in training. Um, so yeah, I think that's something that comes with any sport and any athlete, but, uh, a lot of times women who come and work with me don't necessarily come from an athletic background. So this is kind of the first time they're grappling with comparing their performance in the gym to someone else's. So, so yeah, I'd say that's, that's one of the biggest things. Interesting. How, how would you recommend to, for someone to start specifically powerlifting? I mean, let's say if you're a regular gym goer, um, how do you get into powerlifting? Do you do you best, best uh, seek a coach like you, or you, or, or a coach like you, or is there what's your recommendation? How to start? Um, that's a good question. I I say unless you have an environment that actively promotes you learning and you're around people who are you know, well-versed in movement, I think it is a smart thing to hire a personal trainer just to master the basics or, you know, not even master the basics, but um, get somewhere to where you're comfortable understanding how to navigate the gym and how to, you know, move in, you know, in space and um, lift yourself. Uh, Because safety is definitely a concern, which isn't something that I can, you know, I can't make sure that all you know, 100,000 people that are watching a particular video are in the gym um, performing the movements correctly, unfortunately. So I think if you're someone who's not feeling too confident with your ability, I think going and hiring a personal trainer, um, even if it's just for a couple of sessions or getting into something like CrossFit where they do have some sort of, you know, screening tools to progress you into more complex movements, um, and, you know, intro programs there, 
that's how I started lifting was through CrossFit. So I think even though it's not a perfect system, there is some sort of structure to getting people um, into lifting. Yeah, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, uh, a lot of times, especially when someone when we're creating content not only on Instagram, on YouTube, uh, via blog, for a lot of people, that's the first time that they're hearing any of it, right? Maybe they don't necessarily have access to, like you're talking about, that this environment where uh, maybe they're not necessarily going to a gym or a CrossFit box or a, a strength training facility where they have those progressions or they're laying down the foundation. So I think a lot of the resources that you give out, even like the, I think is a new like pull-up program. I know I'm part of your newsletter. So <laughs> it's like a, a pull-up a pull up, a pull up program. Like even something just as simple as that gives people the opportunity and the resource to uh, get their feet wet and then um, almost ignite their inner fire to say, you know what, I kind of want to take this to the next level and let me find somebody that can work with me one-on-one. Or maybe, again, maybe they start to do some of your programming and you get to help them through their journey. But like you mentioned, I think one of the simple things to answer Tim's question is uh, definitely starting off with the basics. And the most important part of that is having that environment that's conducive to that mm-hmm. and having people around you uh, whether virtually or, you know, content creators or actual pers- uh, strength coaches, personal uh, trainers or, you know, practitioners that are in front of you that can kind of guide you along the way. So I think that was super important. Laying down the, the basics, laying down the foundations, and then uh, knowing when to seek help is super important. So I, I definitely agree with that. Right. When it comes to powerlifting, um, especially when it comes to competing, what are a couple of things that you... T- you tend to work with your athletes when it, I guess, when it's coming closer to crunch time when it, uh, for competition. Again, I think mindset is huge there. It is so easy to get off of a training cycle and, you know, you're so focused and immersed in the competition that you forget about many other aspects of your life. And sometimes lifters will place most of their you know, self-esteem on whether or not that meat does well. And there's too many moving Mm -hmm. parts to really let that happen. Uh, Anything can happen. You can, you know, not sleep well the day before you compete and that can just throw you off to where you're not hitting a PR. Um, So I think it's important to remind the athlete that you know, one meet, you do do place a lot of importance on that competition, but also realize that it's probably not going to be your last one. And, you know, we like to encourage our even more serious competitors to try and dig and find some fun and enjoyment in what they're doing. Because although, you know, we do coach lifters who are very serious, um, our goal is to keep them healthy and have them you know, moving in a way to where they're enjoying their life and getting the most out of what they're doing in the gym. And for most of them, they're not going to become world champions. And, you know, that isn't really the focus. The focus is to get them inspired and, you know, having some fun and being a little bit competitive so that their progression is even more satisfying. Um, So I think it's important to continue to, you know, place value on enjoyment and not praise when someone is out of balance um, and, you know, isn't enjoying what they're doing and isn't enjoying the day to day. So yeah, ensuring that they're in a good mindset, um, even in the midst of a serious competitive, you know, streak or 
um, competitive period is is key to making sure that they're continuing to lift and continuing to enjoy um, and stay healthy. Are there any specific techniques you would recommend to, to improve someone's mindset if it's not in the right place? Is there anything like meditation or other things you would you you practice with your athletes? Um, yeah, we encourage uh, things like meditation. I think the biggest thing is putting, you know, having your values as a coach and as, as a team and putting them at the forefront of communication and even something as small as like when we present a transformation or our success stories, um, you know, body composition transformations and strength transformations are honestly probably the best marketers. But for us, it is almost just as important, maybe even more important to promote and encourage those transformation stories of confidence and having fun and, you know, having a mindset transformation. So I think understanding, you know, what the coach values, our athletes are sometimes more inspired to share those success stories. And, you know, they understand that those are also rewarded. It's not just about, um, you know, having a great body composition change um, or, or journey there. So I think definitely being clear what we value is key so that our athletes know that that is important to us and important to our team. Wow. That's, I don't think the listeners understand how powerful that is, right? I mean, social media in general is very quick for the physical, right? Like how strong you got, you know, body fat percentage, you know, uh, how much load you're lifting, how much weight you're getting off the ground, uh, like the sexy mm -hmm. stuff, right? <laughs> A lot of times uh, people don't necessarily understand how important, and we talked about, um, like you talked about prepping the, the athlete towards competition, but in general, that, that I loved what you called it, the mindset transformation, right? I think uh, too many times, not only practitioners, but also the athletes and the people actually um, within the training program focus way too hard on the physical side, right? But what they don't understand is the mindset side of it, the mental health side of it, it's if not exactly as important in the same tier, almost more important because most of the time the, the, the mind's going to give up before the body does. Right. And especially when it comes to like burnout, especially when it comes to like uh, injuries, coming back from an injury is mostly is a confidence of getting uh, through that. Right. That, that uh, the mentality of will I ever be the same when it comes to an injury or kind of like how you talked about the comparison to the either their uh, person they're looking up to on social media or maybe the, their training partner. Uh, like you mentioned, the barbell never lies, right? Um, 45 pounds is 45 pounds and 205 pounds or a 300 uh, squat uh, pound squat is always a 300 squat, a 300 pound squat, no matter who's lifting it. But what they don't understand is all the variables that go into it, right? The personal side, the lifestyle side, uh, how they're handling it mentally. So that mindset transformation, I thought was super clever, actually. I don't, I've never even thought of it that way. But how somebody thinks of themselves in the very beginning of the program and their transitions in between not only confidence, but how they're prepping themselves before they're going onto the platform. Um, how are they prepping or how are they dealing with stress? How are they dealing with failures? Um, you talked about these values. What are some of the values that you typically talk about within your athletes, like particular values? 
Um, I think, of course, uh, you know, we have strength and friendliness is kind of like what we're all about because we do, we do believe okay. in cultivating a community where people feel comfortable lifting and moving. There's so many times where I, you know, talk to someone and they're not even ready to go to the gym yet. They feel like they need to get in shape before they even step foot in a gym. And so we do, yeah. you know, encourage community and friendliness and welcoming newer lifters and beginners. Um, so I think those values are most important to us. And of course, strength, because, you know, it's not, um, there's always room to progress and, um, every progression counts. So whether you're moving from an air squat to finally loading it and doing a goblet squat, like that progression is rewarded and that is exciting. It isn't mm -hmm. just about our star clients who are on the platform. You know, a lot of times um, with Stronger by the Day, our new program, you have so many beginner lifters who are just getting into it and, you know, doing things um, like, you know, we did a pull-up uh, progression challenge within our group. And one of the transformation winners was a woman who went from not being able to hold herself on the bar for over three seconds to then finally be able, being able to uh, control a descent on the like jumping pull-up. So, you know, that transformation, mm -hmm. even though she's not you know, banging out sets of 12 on the pull-up bar um, is really exciting for us because that is huge for someone to be able to control their own body weight and, you know, feel like they made such a huge transformation, even though it's not something that you see on like, you know, shortcuts to strength and a huge transformation that is like the sexy thing where you have someone getting their you know, 12th pull up and, you know, that's being used to advertise to your general person who, you know, can't descend properly or can't control their own body weight. So yeah, we value and reward transformations at any stage. That's important to us. And we encourage lifters at any stage to try new things and not be afraid to share their stories because, you know, that was a pull up winner and she won a prize for doing that. And that's something that we want people to know just because you're not, you know, doing weighted pull-ups yet doesn't mean that your transformation isn't inspiring and isn't exciting for us. That's a very interesting topic in terms of goal setting. So, so how do you work with your athletes to, to set these goals to, so that they are, let's say challenging, but in some ways, I guess also still, still realistic so that the athletes have, Let's say a beginner athlete has the right expectations how far she or he can go within a, a certain time frame. Um, that's a good question. We, you know, definitely encourage long-term goal setting. And, you know, it does kind of uh, turn into a thing where our marketing, when we talk about our programs and what we do, um, it's not, it doesn't sound sexy a lot of the times because we're encouraging people to come into the gym uh, four days a week for six months and then, you know, reassess their goals. It's not a 12 week program. It's not, you know, 12 weeks is even longer term than some of the things that you see on Instagram. It's not like a 30 day challenge, mm -hmm. even though we do have short term goals built into what we're doing. Um, 
we like to encourage people to think longer term because I don't really care what an athlete is doing a week from now or what they do in one particular session this week. But I do care about their progress mm-hmm. in the next year and the transformations that they can make within that period of time. So yeah, that is definitely not a good selling point to a newer lifter to think about, oh, where am I going to be in one year? A lot of the times because they do kind of want a quick fix that they can look at in a couple of weeks. But, um, you know, that's again, coming to our values and what we, you know, stand by. I don't want to lie to someone and promise them something within 12 weeks. Um, when I know that they're going to experience so much more, if they can focus on having fun, focus on developing behaviors and staying consistent um, over the next year. And I guess, yeah, a lot of people getting into this and even sometimes the veterans, right? They tend to plateau and they want to see that, that quick change. But I think something very interesting that you're talking about that not a lot of people talk about is sustainability, right? You're, you're talking about changing behavior, about changing habits. Um, 30 day challenge is very easy to, uh, eh, realistically or relatively easy, but 30 days is uh, a short amount of time. Now, when you're thinking about a long-term goal, kind of like what you're talking about, uh, four to six months, um, even a year, you're, now you're setting that person up, you're, you're setting yourself up for an opportunity now to create something that's longer lasting, not just 30 days. And then all of a sudden it's a yo-yo diet or yo-yo training program in the sense where it's, you have a lot of highs and lows, rather this consistent upwardly, a linear progression, uh, no matter how slow it is, it's always a progression. And typically when you have that progression that is more consistent rather than a sharp, uh, either high or sharp low, uh, it now becomes part of this athlete and it becomes something that is now sustainable and then not only do they see progressions or progress a year from then, but now they have been able to now switch their their behavior, their habits, which is a lot harder to to switch than uh, than joining a program, than uh, starting something new. It's sticking with it is the hardest part, right? Um, yeah, starting is hard, but once you start, right, whether a program or a new exercise regimen or even a new nutritional uh, program, starting is not always the hardest part. Starting is one of the hardest part, but one of the something even more difficult than that is staying consistent, is staying uh, true, like you said, to your values and understanding that we're looking for a long term goal. Because most people, uh, like you mentioned, are, are used to like the mm-hmm. quick fix. All right. Hey, how can I fix my squat or how can I fix this hip mobility or hey, how can I get stronger with this pull up? But in reality, if you start to build a stronger foundation, like we talked about earlier, like building, uh, really funneling into the basics and really hammering those guys and really creating a foundation to now settle on uh, bigger and more complex things where, like you talked about, from an air squat to a goblet squat to a barbell squat, and now you're doing snatches, then it becomes something more sustainable where now uh, injuries are less likely, where now your training can now be more consistent. Right. Because a lot of people go a lot of times when it comes to injuries or um, people that are quitting certain things. Right. They do something way too high of an intensity for a long period of time or they do some or do nothing for a long period of time. That's typically where injuries tend to happen or problems tend to happen. But now when you create this foundation, kind of like you're talking about, you create a program that is more consistent to long term goals, but also has tidbits of short bursts of challenges and uh, to kind of battle these plateaus that you have in between. 
now you set somebody up for a long-term consistency of success rather than a short-term uh, trial of, uh, again, minuscule type of success, but we're looking at the long-term. So I think I think that was very interesting. I think not many people have mm-hmm. that approach, especially um, from the first or from like the first uh, conversation. And a lot of a lot of what we talk about not only in this podcast, but especially when I work with patients is that sustainability. I want to make sure that whatever we work on, you right. can do forever, right? Not just for the next three months, right? Because then that's not sustainable and it's probably going to injure you or at some point uh, not going to be able to be uh, conducive to whatever you're trying to do. So having that sustainability, having a good uh, foundation, setting up those long-term goals with those short-term goals uh, embedded in them, I think is our, our one of the most important ways. So I, you know, I thought that was really interesting and very good that uh, you're speaking to not only your athletes, but even yourself. Mm-hmm, when it comes to absolutely. Long-term. And I think a lot of people come to me because they're cherry picking workouts and they're not on a program and yeah. they're just like, mm-hmm. you know, doing a random routine that they see on Instagram. And, and, and to be fair, yeah. I think it's great when people share those workouts because, you know, you're teaching people movements and you're encouraging them to lift and hopefully motivating them to lift. Um, and I think that's good if someone yeah. is just trying to build the habit of going to the gym and, you know, just getting started. Um, but obviously without some frequency, especially when you're introducing new things um you don't have an opportunity to progress in that and you don't have an opportunity to get better at that movement either so a lot of times people come in and join you know stronger by the day when they're you know just cherry picking workouts and that's all they've done for the past however long um so it is exciting to introduce a systematic progression to those kind of people um because i've seen more people instead of running a program, they're just bookmarking workouts on Instagram that, that look cool. <laughs> <laughs> true that, true that. Um, I think another thing I want to talk about is not only you as a female, but female in powerlifting is, I mean, especially earlier on, powerlifting was really made to be, or not made to be, is more seen to for like the men, right? You started to see men lifting heavy and women lifting heavy wasn't always the, the most popular thing. Now it's starting to become more of a consistent thing where you see uh, women now actually strength training, right? Before they're like, oh, I don't want, you know, I want to stay toned or mm-hmm. I don't want to get buff. Um, talk to me about the the female mindset when it comes to not only lifting but also getting into a sport like powerlifting well i think something that is important to note is it really your perception of this subject uh, specifically coming from a women's point of view has everything to do with your environment so um, our environments whatever environment we're in we will be encouraged to explore and attempt to be successful in the things that that specific environment encourages. Um, So if you're someone like me and competing in a CrossFit gym, like starting off in a CrossFit gym and getting really inspired in that environment, Mm -hmm. then your perception of what is rewarded will, you know, reflect that environment. So for me, my coach was this badass lady who was super buff. She was like the buffest woman I've ever seen in my life. And she was, you know, a boss bitch in that environment. And she, I looked up to her in so many ways. And 
you know, she just seemed so cool to me. And I looked up to her and all of the other female coaches were all, you know, training hard, training heavy. You know, I was in an environment that was conducive to getting strong and looking buff. So I think when you, that's why CrossFit is so successful or like barbell clubs are so, such an easy place for women to be and like find their people because that environment will encourage you to get buff and, you know, it will encourage so many other things. Now, I didn't come from any other environment that had opposing ideas to that one. You know, that was like my only community at that time. I do find people who mm-hmm. are struggling with, you know, um, conflicting environments. So maybe they're in some sort of lifting environment where they're rewarded by getting buff and getting strong, um, but also at home, it's the complete opposite. And maybe they come from a culture that doesn't think that they should be, you know, a certain body composition. So that is a very difficult place to be. Um, And it all comes down to prioritizing, setting boundaries, and understanding what is going to make you happiest, like the real you happiest. Um, So for clients who are, you know, in this sort of conflicting environment space, I encourage them to start looking at their goals and getting to the real meaning of their goals. And I think one exercise to do that is ask yourself the five whys and the five whys exercise is pretty common. So maybe you guys have heard something like this before and it's ask, setting a goal and asking yourself, okay, well, why do you want to like complete that goal? And that could be anything from, you know, I want to get stronger um, and figuring out why, 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 why. Um, so I want to get stronger because you know, I want to be um, at, I want to be the strongest girl in CrossFit class might be your initial reaction to that goal. And then you ask, why do you want to be the strongest girl in CrossFit class? Answer that question. And then why, why, why five times. Um, so you can see, you can get usually to the deeper meaning of like why you want to complete, you know, that sort of um, specific, make that specific journey. Um, and usually it comes down to, you know, I want to, something like deeper than I want to be the strongest girl in CrossFit. Usually that progression or that set of questions will evolve into something like, you know, I've never felt strong before in my life. And I finally want to get there because I want to prove it to myself and like build some self-esteem. You know, usually that exercise will get you to the true meaning of what you want. Whereas on the other hand, your environment that is conflicting something, there's probably something deeper than just, oh, I want to fit the body ideal that my mom tells me what I should look like. So. Um, there are deeper meanings to that environment as well. So I think, you know, taking whatever conflicting goals you have or conflicting messages um, that you may have been told um, and figuring out the true why is important to understanding what it is that you want and how to navigate those like conflicting things in your life. Yeah, I think... You mentioned several times the environment. I think that plays a big role, especially um, with a female that wants to start. And again, now it's a little easier, right? It's a little, the, I think it's a little more of an open mind to now have a strong female athletic body before you can be like, oh my God, like, you know, it was very scared for, it was, it, females were very hesitant and I think still are uh, to 
train very hard, right? Thinking that they're going to, and for lack of a better word, look like a man, right? Because they think, hey, the stronger I get, the more buff I get, right? In a sense, mm -hmm. yes, but it takes a lot of work. <laughs> it takes a lot of work for to start to build that composition. But just in general, strength training, there's a lot of benefits to it, um, you know, and and I applaud, you know, females like yourself that have this platform and can do not only positive self-image, but also uh, the ability to work on some on, on yourself, not only physically, but mentally, because um, I know it's hard. I know the environment plays a big role, how you're raised, uh, the people you're around, your circle. And again, like you mentioned, some people might not have the access to have a circle that is conducive to uh, strong training and or maybe, you know, whatever they're at. Um, so. I think the message that you take right here is super and super important. So, you know, creating priorities, creating boundaries, and and most importantly, creating your whys. Uh, I think that's super, super important. But we also do something like that here within Myrony where somebody that comes with, in, with pain or certain issues and they want to work on something, I think finding what we call their internal drive or what you call the five whys are super important because it makes the goal much more uh I don't want to say realistic, but it's a deeper meaning to the goal. It's not because most people that have a goal, there's an underlying reason, right? An internal drive, an internal why. Uh, because once you realize that internal drive, then what's, is what we call like the uh, basically the, the trail, right? Or the or the pathway, then the vehicle, right? Vehicle being uh, losing weight, gaining muscle, uh, getting stronger can change. But the internal why never really changes, right? For example, if somebody comes in with pain and they have low back pain, uh, and I'll make it more relevant to strength training, but they come in for low back pain, they want to reduce pain. And most of the time, they really want to do that because they want to go back into working out. They want to go back into training. Why do they want to train? Because, uh, you know, training and being in sports was always very important to them. Uh, why is that important to you? Well, you know, my brother is also training and I want to compete both uh, with him. And it's really uh, important for me to be able to be by his side as I uh, as we do this together. So now I understand now that it's a bigger meeting because now it's a uh, camaraderie thing for him. And, and it's a training aspect and a family aspect much more. Uh, and it's not right. just this pain that he's having. You see what I'm saying? And I think it's very similar to what you're saying. Somebody that wants to lose weight might... Uh, it's their big goal, or should I say their, their one of their goals, but the underlying why could be uh, the fact that they were made fun of the entire their entire life. Or much more than that is the, actually, you know, I've seen my uh, grandpa or my dad pass away early because mm -hmm. of cardiac disease, and I don't want that to be me. Perfect. Now you have that internal drive, and whatever the goal is, whether it's lose five pounds, lose weight, gain muscle, all the internal drive is that. Because of what happens, as we talked about earlier on, especially with long-term habits and long-term uh, goals, there's going to be really trying and hard times throughout that. And understanding your internal drive is going to help you push through those plateau plateaus, push through those downfalls sometimes they may have through a journey. Uh, and I completely agree. And I, and I really like the, the saying five whys, because I guess it, it also helps people dig a little deeper within themselves as to why things are important to them. So I, I really like the, the five whys. We, mm -hmm. call, we call it different, something different called internal drive, right. but it's really in reality the same thing. So I, I thought that was super, super awesome, um, which is great because, again, having as a female athlete, especially not only if you're going into the, into the platform or you just want to now have a consistent training program, something like creating barriers, prioritizing uh, or having priorities are super important and then having these five whys 
are super, super important. I think, again, to have this long-term and sustainable type of training and lifestyle, it takes much more than just a physical aspect. So I think that's, uh, I appreciate you uh, talking about that. That's good. Now, that being said, what are a couple of things that you have uh, coming out right now? If it's programs or resources right now for your listeners? Um, I am currently working audience? on a sort of new, not sort of, a nutrition course for a lot of my athletes. They've been asking me for some sort of nutrition component to go with the programming that they're running. And I felt like a lot of the things that were out there were one-on-one macro coaches and counting macros. And I think it's died down a little bit, but whenever I started, everyone was all about counting macros. And that was like, you know, for some... Yeah, that was the thing. And for many coaches, you know, the the thing that the coach does is guide their athlete through counting macros. And so what we wanted to do was develop a course that instead of just assigning macros, we assigned tasks that encourage our lifters and clients to start developing habits, start reflecting on what they're doing and identifying what their limiting factors are. So we've designed an eight week course that helps our, you know, anyone interested and anyone who wants to kind of be more intuitive with their diet. Um, It's not going straight into counting macros and weighing everything and measuring everything. It's not that kind of program. Um, And it's also not just information. It is, you know, a, easy to understand weekly lesson combined with a weekly task or set of tasks that encourages, you know, people to take whatever they learned in like a short video and in a short lesson and try to identify how that applies to their week of eating and, you know, just start to slowly the emphasis is on a slowly building habits. Um, so again, it kind of goes hand in hand with it. It's not the mm-hmm. sexy like eight week transformation program again. Um, but that's what we do. And, you know, we do want people to slowly build habits over time that aren't going to shock their systems and aren't going to completely up uphaul everything that they do now, but instead introduce reasonable, appropriate changes that they can, you know, keep for a long time while still enjoying, you know, their lives and not stressing too much about food and, you know, just taking it slow. So yeah, we have a nutrition course. It's the Be More Nutrition course um, that we are introducing in September. So that's to come. I'm finishing up everything. I'll, I'll now all of the like boring, um, loose ends that I need to tie up, but all of the, everything's edited and ready to go. And we're doing like one last round of edits and checks. So yeah, that should be coming soon as we like finish building that out. So you have Stronger by the Day and you have... Um, Stronger by the Day is our main, um, is our program. So we have Stronger by the Day and then Be More Nutrition is coming. Got it. Got it. Got yeah, strong, it. And strong, then strong supply. Strong supply. Is Tell my, me a little bit about that. Um, equipment company. So we sell like weightlifting stuff for weightlifters, powerlifters, and general gym goers. So anyone who's looking for things like um, personal items to bring with the gym, 
bring with them to the gym. So things like knee sleeves, well, we're working on knee sleeves, that's our next product. Um, things like knee wraps for weightlifters, wrist wraps. Um, we have things like glute bands, like personal equipment that you can bring to the gym so that you feel comfortable lifting. Um, we try to make everything really affordable. Most of our products are designed and developed here in California. So we're trying to keep things local when we're sourcing materials and developing them and creating them. So that's really exciting for our company. And of course, we have all the Stronger by the Day swag and make Watts merch is all lives on Strong Strong Supply. Awesome. Talk to me about your YouTube. Yeah, um, YouTube has been recently, an right? interesting place. I started as like a fitness vlogger. <laughs> um, so I started just uploading clips of me lifting and sharing my fitness journey. And I think as my career changed, as I, you know, in that time, I became a coach myself. And I started working with all kinds of athletes and working with lifters and, you know, just expanding who I'm teaching. I think it made sense for the channel to change. Um, also, as I get older, you know, I'm less inclined to vol volunteer personal information. Um, so, you know, I just, I didn't really like just sharing my journey and the channel just being about me. So most recently, we've been putting more effort into making you know, having an idea about a video and making sure that it's the best possible thing that we can offer for someone to click on. So yeah, we've been upping the production value and we've been upping our time spent in pre-production with writing scripts and, you know, compiling information so that we can give our viewers the best possible video. Um, because people spend a lot of time on YouTube and people are you know investing that time into my channel and i want to make sure that they are leaving it with information in a concise manner um, which that's been the biggest thing is making sure that i'm not wasting anyone's time and you know making sure they're getting the most for what they're watching interesting so how how what's your process in terms of coming up with new ideas for videos i saw you you put out already like over over the whole time like 450 or so videos how, what's your process to be able to put out a video let's yeah say, um once a week a lot of times it is dependent on where i think there are gaps on things that i haven't yet talked about so um a lot of times I'll look to what my lifters are asking for or the problems that they're experiencing and the things that they're curious about. So we'll pull a lot from that. And I'll also try to look at the, you know, I have a couple different buckets. Like we talk about nutrition, we talk about how to lift, we give people ideas on what a good program looks like and how you can introduce movements into your program. Um, and then of course there's a bucket of like, okay, how can we motivate people to lift and, you know, give them information that encourages them to stay in the gym. So, um, yeah, we have a couple different buckets that we pull from and we think about, okay, you know, we want to make a technique video. So we're teaching people how to lift a particular movement and then we'll figure out what that is and then script, make sure that we're checking off all our boxes and go from there. So it's, you know, pulling information from our clients, figuring out what haven't we said yet that we know we need to make a video on. And then also looking at what content is performing the best um, in the past, what has done well and trying to offer something there.
Okay, cool. Uh, I also saw you have a bucket called Train Like a Pro, where you try out different tr uh, trainings from different sports like rugby, mm -hmm. Ninja Warrior, the Army Test. What, which um, one was the most challenging? Ninja Warrior, definitely, because for most of the other Train Like a Pros, I mean, when you train like a skier or when you train like a rugby player, the training that they're doing off the field or off the you know mountain is they're lifting. So that was that was easy for me. You know, those workouts, some of them mm -hmm. are like, oh, this is a joke. Um, <laughs> but but um, Ninja Warrior, they don't train in a gym necessarily. And I did want to get on some of the implements. And, you know, there's that stuff is so difficult. I mean, I can do I can do pull ups, right? Like I could do a good amount of pull ups. But um, usually the Ninja Warriors are they are in a like in a they do this thing called the l's so they keep their l's um if you've ever met someone who does this type of training and what that means is their elbows are always mm -hmm. uh bent so their arms are always bent yeah so they're at 90 degrees and they're in the degrees. hardest part of a pull-up um and they're keeping that position throughout their climbing <laughs> and as they're going from one you know implement to the other and that is so difficult and like to just I can't fathom them doing like a whole course in the hardest part of a pull-up position uh so yeah that was definitely the, the hardest on my my body for sure awesome talk to me about this home gym uh you guys have upgraded oh yeah yeah it started as just like a kettlebell one kettlebell is all I had um, and then we slowly over time kept <laughs> adding equipment. Um, and I trained with one former weightlifter, uh, two former weightlifters. And so there were definitely some things like our barbell and the quality of the barbells that we got that were more on the bougie expensive side. Whereas me, I don't really care what kind of barbell I'm lifting on. Um, but it is cool to have like some nicer, you know, nicer, newer um, implements that we can train with. And yeah, we're thinking about next getting a leg extension machine. Um, so that's next on our list. We haven't added any equipment recently, but yeah. It sounds like you you uh, you are juggling a lot of different balls, right? Like in terms of your, your equipment company, your program, your athletes, and so on and so forth. I assume at some point you still, after college, had a mm -hmm. had a corporate job. Is that correct? And my question is, like, say, how did you make that transition from, let's say, the corporate world into being following your passion, which I think many people. Uh, would like to yeah. do, but um, I understand being scared to, to do it and I was in the same boat um, I I don't come from money and money has always been a huge source of stress in my life um, the only time I heard people talking about money they were fighting and you know I just had a complicated relationship with it and I knew when I got my corporate job and started my career that the reason I went to college and the reason that I worked was so that I would hopefully get to a place in my life where I was not stressed about money. So that was very important for me. And um, I did not make the jump from 
um, like one job to the next immediately. I waited until my, you know, personal training business and my, um, you know, all of the things like I started making a little bit of money on YouTube and with sponsors. I waited until those streams of revenue could replace my full-time salary. And I did not quit that job until that was possible. So um, I recommend that route for people who are scared. Um, and, you know, sometimes I say that to people and they're like, well, how do you find the time to do all of those things? I can never find the time. And to that, I say, if you cannot find the time to have a second job, then you honestly have no business trying to be an entrepreneur. Like it's just because you never you never have the time to do anything. I never have the time to build a second company or pick up another client or, you know, even I never have the time to like come on and have a nice conversation with you on your podcast. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's just like, you just have to figure out ways to make mm -hmm. it work. And, you know, you shouldn't, if you feel like you don't have the time to start a new business or start a new project that could potentially turn into something big, in your spare time, then you probably shouldn't do it. Um, and you probably shouldn't dream to be someone who owns their own business and makes their own schedule and, and so on. Yeah, there's definitely a leap of faith. There's a leap of faith. There's definitely a, pre a preparation side, but also too, you kind of, you kind of have to uh, prepare for that. So uh, that's really interesting to hear mm -hmm. your story. And that was a great question by Tim, a little dab to that. Good job, Tim. Um, all right. Now, actually, before we go into speed round, the, yeah. your mm -hmm. social media, your Instagram is Meg squats, yeah. correct? And then YouTube is the same. Awesome. And I'll make sure to link that at the bottom of the show notes here. So, uh, you'll have, uh, basically the links for, uh, Megan's, uh, programs and all her, uh, strong, strong supply stuff and her YouTube channel. So make sure don't go too crazy trying to find that. It'll be, uh, it should be at the bottom of the, of the show notes here. And then huh, uh, any book recommendations, Meg? Book recommendation. Um, I love, I I love to read, and um, but I like to read okay, trashy yeah. beach novels. Um, <laughs> um, I yes, I do love those. Really? I recently, um, <laughs> so I've been writing a script for a video that I'm working on. Um, all about self-esteem and body image. Okay. So um, in that research, I picked up a workbook, actually. So if there's anybody who, you know, that topic resonates with, I recommend the Mindful Self-Compassion Workbook. It's a really cool, you know, easy read, um, has a lot of information, but also has like actionable steps to take when you're, you know, trying to accept yourself and mm -hmm. build some self-esteem and inner strength. Um, so I recommend that because I know we talked a little bit about those themes. And when I post, when I posted this on Instagram, um, so yeah. many people commented and they said that they love the, one of the authors, Kristen Neff. Um, she has a lot of work in, she's a PhD and she has a lot of work in this um, like self-compassion field. So yeah, check her out. Um, and so far, you know, I haven't finished the entire workbook, but so far what I read is really, it's really helpful. <laughs> cool. I'll make sure to add that onto the show notes. Thank you very much.
Um, awesome. This next part. So there's two more parts to the podcast before we finish. Uh, the first one is speed round. Speed round is basically a couple of questions uh, that we have here prepared that uh, get to know get to know you a little bit more. Uh, they're <laughs> funny, simple questions. Oh, I think they're funny. But uh, yeah, so just to get to know you a little bit more, and the caveat to that is okay. you have uh, minimal time, literally a second if less than that. So whatever comes to your head is the first thing you say. I'm ready, yes. And yeah, are you ready? All right, question number one. What is an unusual habit you have? Uh, I always check my social media. I guess it's not unusual, but I check it like like habitually. It's a problem. I have to lock myself out of Instagram. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, next question. Most awkward moment on YouTube? Mm, one time I forced someone to be in my video. Like I just started having a conversation with her and I turned my camera on and I didn't really ask her or like I asked her, oh, I God. asked her in a way where she couldn't say no, but it was worth it. It was Chrissy Mae Cagney from Donuts and Deadlifts. And um, I'm sure okay. she thought I was a complete weirdo, but <laughs> she did invite, I did go to her wedding last year. So worth it. So you made a great impression is what you're saying. So do that more often. <laughs> yeah, right. Got it. Um, next question. Your greatest fear? Spiders. There's so many spiders in the garage gym. Spider, really? Yeah, it's not my greatest fear, but it's a, it's a, um, currently it is a problem. There's too many. <laughs> I'm exposed to more black widows than I ever have been before in my life. Wow. That is pretty yeah. scary. Well, here in Miami, we have flying cockroaches, so I'm not sure what's yeah. going I think the Black Widows, they hide from you. They don't they don't fly in your house, you know? Yeah, I feel like these cockroaches just, like, attack your face. They just aim. Yeah. They have a good aim when it comes to that. Gross. <laughs> what is something that you believe that other people think is insane? Uh, oh, shit. If anything. Uh, you know, I kind of go with the crowd on most things. And I'm very... Um, you know what I believe? I believe that you can listen to a controversial opinion and um, hear the other side of it. And it's appropriate for you to create your own unique viewpoint on that or see both Very sides. True. Very true. Okay. Fair enough. Last question here. Your favorite superhero? Wonder Woman? I don't know. Oh, like that was weak. That was weak, Megan. That was weak. <laughs> My favorite superhero, I, I like Black Panther, I think is probably my favorite of the movies, okay. probably Black Panther, yeah. Okay, okay. So is that your favorite movie? What's your no. favorite movie? Fifty mm, First Dates. What's your favorite movie, uh, movie genre? Comedy. Okay, fair enough. So Fifty First Dates and uh, comedy. Okay, okay. Fifty First Dates is actually a classic. I consider. It I a classic. love that movie. I just went to Hawaii <laughs> recently for the first time, so I watched that to like prep for it. Really? Did you? Did Did it meet your expectations? Oh yeah, for sure. It's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Um, awesome. So this last part of the podcast is really where I have three thanks uh, or three thank yous. The first one is to you, Megan. Thank you for, you know, taking the time to uh, sit down with us, have a conversation, learn about your story and your journey and basically your philosophy, not only in training and mindset and how you uh, help others uh, believe in themselves and, and, and really see their, their strong uh, attributes, uh, not only physically, but mentally. So thank you very much for taking the time uh, to be on this podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 
The second thank you goes to our listeners. You know, thank you for giving us this platform. Uh, you could have been doing anything right now. You could have been watching in 50 first dates uh, <laughs> right now, but you decided to listen to this podcast with Megan. Uh, Tim and I always have a good time with these podcasts and uh, we really thank you for giving us this platform to not only speak our mind, but give you some knowledge and uh, really share some value. So we appreciate that. The last uh, and final thank you goes to our clients, goes to our students, goes to our patients, and goes to those that we get to work with on a daily basis. Uh, thank you again for giving us the time to share or to, yeah, to share our passion, to really give you our all and to really give us the opportunity to do what we love on a daily basis. Um, because again, it's with you and the opportunity that you give us to work with you and to uh, be a part of your journey, uh, you give us the opportunity to do something that we truly enjoy. So thank you very much for that. And with that being said, this is Connect and Move Radio. I'm your host, Andy Fortuna, signing out. Hey there, Andy Fortuna here, and I hope you enjoyed that episode. I love the opportunity to connect and share information with passionate people just like you and would love the opportunity to do the same for others. So please take the time right now to leave a five-star review and help spread the word about this podcast. Thank you so much for your support and see you on the next episode. Hold up.